Washington Redskins, well, boys, they are 0-2, but they have us here to pick up the pieces. This is Hogs Night, a podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Brian from Hogshaven, we got B. Druba. What's up, guys? Welcome uh, welcome to be here, all. What is up, indeed? And we got Dr. Chris Jones. Thanks for joining us. Ready to talk some football. I suppose you could call it that. Uh, at certain points... Last weekend, we saw some football. The Washington Redskins falling in their home opener to the Dallas Cowboys by a final score of 31-21, to falling to 0-2. Back-to-back losses in the first two weeks of the season, both against division opponents. We queued this up at the beginning of the year. Schedule makers have done them no favors with their opening stretch, but you kind of have to play the cards that you're dealt and the Redskins haven't done it so much I figure we could talk a little bit about that game our thoughts and then get into maybe sort of bigger picture looking forward what next so let's start with the offense it was another pretty tough game yeah they put up some garbage time points that touchdown of Terry McLaurin but by and large really it didn't feel like they were able to do much, and I think some of that stemmed from not being able to establish the run whatsoever for the second week in a row. Yeah, second week in a row, they really struggled to open up any holes for uh, the running backs to run through. I know Jay Gruden doesn't necessarily like to run to Adrian Peterson's strengths, and I think it's really starting to show. Well, and he didn't even play in week one, you know, so they're down a man, and we, we touched on it at length last week, but it's not as though it was a market improvement, but it was a lot more the same even in the absence of Darius Geis, I feel. Adrian Peterson had 10 attempts for 25 yards. Uh, he did have the one rushing touchdown, but, I mean, it was a goal line carry. It, it was pretty anemic. Everything, I feel, stems from the ability to set the pace early and run the football. They had the lead, too. They did have the lead. They were playing from ahead for a point, but they just never really seemed to want to commit. Now, again, we're not sitting in the room. We don't know the game plan. But at the same time, if you have that lead, knowing that you're going up against a really talented front seven, my my inclination is to guess that I don't think they have a lot of faith in the line right now. If, if you're up in a football game, or at least tied in a football game, and it's early on, if you don't feel confident in the guys who can block and establish the line of scrimmage, I don't know. It's it's going to make it very, very challenging to, to win. And I think this is kind of where the where we're starting to see the absence of uh, Trent Williams really take its toll because a lot of the times we ran to his side or he was out in front, you know, really setting the edge or making some pretty athletic plays to, to block downfield and we just don't see that. I, I haven't really seen any second-layer blocks. It's it's all crowded at the line of scrimmage, and they're just not making – they don't have any push. Yeah, so Redskins' longest rush of the game was 10 yards by Adrian Peterson, and th- that accounted for almost half of his total yards on the day. I, I can't tell if it's just the fact that we're not, like – 
mucking into these superstar backs, but I can't honestly remember the last time, besides Adrian Peterson last year ripping off, what was it, like a 90-yard touchdown run? When was the last time we had somebody young, up-and-coming that was, like, not consistently, but ripping off maybe, like, 30, 40-yard runs every, like, three or four games? Something something like Saquon or Zeke or not e- not even to the – the caliber of those players, but I mean, it's been tough since like Alfred Morris had a great year. Yeah. So what is that like since 2012? Yeah. So it, that's the that's Redskins have it. They don't really seem to invest so much in the running backs, but at the same time, I wouldn't necessarily change the personnel that they have. I feel good about Adrian Peterson. I feel good about Darius Geis when he's healthy. Running backs to me are not the issue. I mean, you have you have the Cowboys earlier this season where. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott had his holdout, and you thought, you know, Tony Pollard was going to come in and be a very effective running back. Yeah. And I think you see this with effective offenses overall. Like, Kansas City could play, like, plug and play one of their three uh, running backs that they have on the roster. I think they would all be pretty successful. Yeah, and I don't know if any one of them are more talented. I'll, I'll put it this way. You take a running back that's on the Redskins right now and you put them in that offense and they would continue to be successful. I mean, I think of it more as an indictment of the Redskins' ability to scheme yeah. and plan. There are these teams, and again, like it's impo- you're, you're never going to have a great conversation when you're trying to compare a team with the Patriots. But frankly, you look at some of these the guys on the Patriots that the Patriots have made into superstars that wouldn't have been anywhere else. I mean, uh, who was it? It wasn't Danny Woodhead. It was one of those interchangeable Burkhead. Rex Burkhead. It was one of those interchangeable slot receivers who was on the Cowboys in the year that they had hard knocks, and he was one of those guys. It's, it's gonna kill me. Amendola. Again. It might have been Amendola. It was like, oh, like he's the, he's one who's gonna get a ton of attention because you know how in hard knocks they love like the guys who are probably going to get cut. And he was one of them, and he goes to the Patriots and ends up being a superstar. So there are teams that bring out the best in players, and I don't – it's like an it factor, and I just don't know what it is, but the Redskins don't seem to have it. That said, you know, one of the things, the big questions and storylines that we had coming into this year was more when – not necessarily if, but when we would see Dwayne Haskins. And I will say, through two games, again, two losses, I haven't been blown away by Case Keenum, but I'm certainly not calling for him to be benched. He, to me, has looked, I don't know, what's the... what's the what's Adequate? The, yeah, like what's the B-mine? What's the word to call something a B-mine? It's like he's... You, you play him. He's doing his job. He is doing his job. For me. He's... He, made a couple of bad throws but by and large like fine slightly unremarkable I don't know he I think he's been sort of what they need him to be so far he, he yeah he's definitely putting them in a position to win and I just love the points they're putting up I mean how many times did we actually score 20 points last season we've already done that both games this season so granted to, like we've scored a touchdown in garbage time both games, right. but still, we're scoring those points, and he's throwing the ball around pretty well. He's missed he's missed a few deep balls. That's going to happen, especially with a guy that's not 
totally maybe feeling at home as the number one. Sure. So, I mean, hopefully it just it, it makes him want to work harder to keep his starting job. But I think he's done as much as he can do so far, and I, I think he's going to keep working for it. Um, I don't think we need to see Dwayne just yet, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah, and he's also taking care of the football too. Uh, he's not yeah. hasn't turned has not thrown an interception yet. Yeah, hasn't turned out. Although there was a close one. Yeah, he put one right, right in the yeah. bread basket. Uh. Um, so lucky in that sense, but he's taking care of the football, not actively losing his job and and finding some targets in that. So. He finished uh, twenty six of thirty seven for two hundred and twenty one yards and two touchdowns. Did a in spite of the fact that I, f- I, based on what I saw, it sort of felt like he had to move around in the pocket a good amount. He only took one sack. So I don't know if you credit his mobility. Again, the eye test, we're not experts, but the eye test for us was that the offensive line, again, was not very good, especially from Trent's absence. But, I mean, only taking one sack, it it's nice at least for the time being, to have what sort of loomed large as what would have been a big story and like something that kind of was going to weigh on us to not have to really be the thing that people are, are keying in on. That said, in an 0-2 hole, it's there are lots of other issues, but at least it's not him, right? Yeah, the, the fire's on the other side of the football. Certainly. Yeah, we'll, it certainly we'll, We can get to that. I, we certainly will get to that. I think another bright spot is... Two now very solid games for Terry McLaurin. I'm I'm starting to I'm getting hot on this guy. I'm I'm really liking. It. I mean, he was highly touted. It's just nice to see someone you know rookie come in, have a great opening game, and then I think because of how good a game he had in Week One, and the fact that the Redskins don't have a ton of other targets, clearly Dallas's defense was was keying in on. But he was still able to make catches. I mean, he finished five receptions, 62 yards, a touchdown. He had a 27-yarder, so able to stretch the field a little bit, which is nice to see. I mean, if we think back to it, I, I want to say he maybe had just one catch at halftime, and then he, he caught. They were definitely targeting him late in the game, so he picked up more of those receptions then. But it is it is good to see the production out of him. He's making those tough catches, though. He's, he's being double-teamed. And he is coming out with the ball. They're they're hitting his hands, and he's not dropping them. So it, it's something you can trust him right now, and you can uh, you can feel good when you're you're throwing the ball his way. Nine targets for McLaurin. A lot of dump down, check down plays. Chris Thompson got targeted eight times, and then Trey Quinn, seven targets, four catches, 36 yards. A lot of those like quick slants or like quick outs um, in tight spaces. But that's kind of what he's built to do. Yeah, that was one thing that really kind of stood out to me in the eye test, at least, is there wasn't too much of a threat on the field without Terry McLaurin and definitely without Reed out there as well. I mean, they definitely need a second viable option. You can't just have one guy out there. I know, and especially with uh, Chicago this week, especially with Chicago's great defensive core, it's going to be tough for McLaurin to, to... do something because they're clearly going to be focusing on him more than anyone else so hopefully that opens the door for Trey Quinn or
Well, super troubling for me is the fact that Richardson was only targeted three times. He had three catches and a touchdown. Yeah, you know, it was sort of a he had to work for it. Nice, nice drag across the field. You know, final ten yards. But he he just is he is not a viable threat. I agree. Yeah, I need to see more out of him. It's been you know a year and a half at this point. And again, he took some injuries last year, but just I don't know. I'm, me, I'm not there yet. He never really stood out too much to me in Seattle either. No. Um, he was I, always like the third guy. I mean, I think he had a lot of promise coming over, but uh, to me it's more of the same. Of It's not, not a whole lot. The other thing that I think jumped out, and I hate when this becomes a narrative, is the Redskins took a lot of pre-snap penalties. They were jumpy. Clearly, you know, there might be a cadence thing. That's still new quarterback trying to get adjusted. I'm not here to make excuses for it. But they take a lot of penalties, a lot of, like, really self-inflicted penalties. And I know the players, I've heard a couple I've heard a couple rumblings like, oh, you know, they're out there. They're looking at us. They're targeting us. Redskins this year are the eighth most penalized team in the league. But they also have only been penalized, like, four more times than they have been the beneficiaries of penalties. So it's not as though, like, frankly, I don't think anyone cares enough to, like, target the Redskins. They're just sloppy, I feel. It's just really sloppy. That's surprising. You're saying that they've only been penalized four more times than penalties against them? That is what I'm saying. So they have been, they have 18 penalties against them, and they have 14 penalties that have been called in their favor. Wow. Okay. It feels like when we're watching, a lot more is going against them. But not not to say that they're being targeted, just that they're probably ill-prepared or just under-trained with the, with the fill-ins that they have because of all the injuries. But that's surprising. Um, but at the same time, it is something you kind of see every week, and it, it just, at least to me, it, it annoys me. It, it It's... Just something that you you hope they can figure out. At least the holding penalties on offense. That that's the thing that just is a killer to a drive. And especially with the skins, you're not seeing very many deep plays. So once it's first and twenty, I'm kind of chalking that up to unless they're in field goal position, that's a punt. Yeah, the holding. I mean, that's just a sign of guys who are thinking they're about to get beat. Like if you have to hold the guy in front of you, then you just don't feel like you're capable. Of and I, I feel like I see that at least three times a week, and it's just sometimes on drives, like when the game is still within reach, before before after halftime, when the skins have apparently mailed it in and can't keep up anymore. It's just something I wish they could cut out because it it frustrates me to all ends. And Brian, to your point, I mean the Redskins' offense is not dynamic enough to really come back from a first and 20 uh they're they're built more to get ahead of the sticks and and be faced with like a third and three third and two to keep the drive drive moving they can't be faced with a third and ten yeah especially it's gonna be hard to put themselves in those positions again if they can't establish the run um all right let's move over to the defense because i'm i'm all kinds of agitated hot and bothered on this defense we came into this year our we did our prediction show everyone's favorite thing we did our prediction show i went so far as to say i thought this would be a top 10 defense i will own that prediction egg on your face and i will eat all kinds of shit so far through these first two weeks because it 
is an issue, and something has got to give, and it's got to give quickly. They have just, they have looked really vulnerable. I think they're just like not up to the standards that they've set, and I think it may result in some moves on the coaching staff. I've, I've seen people calling for Greg Minuski to be fired already this week. It, when it gets to the point where your head coach has to say something about it in a press conference, you know it's bad. Like if people, if he has to answer questions about whether or not he's going to keep his staff, you're it's already past the point where it's okay. It's the second game too. It's awful. Know, it, it's so early, and these are games the Skins probably were slated to lose. Uh, we're going against two good divisional teams that are in better shape and better position than us. But at the same time, it's games that we could have won. And it's because of defensive breakdowns that we lost these games. And so if they were losing from the get-go, it wouldn't be as much of an issue, I don't think. We'd just be like, this is this is where we're at. We're going to grow into this. But these are games that we could have won. And that's what makes it more frustrating. And just the fact that now we're 0-2. And it seems like we could at least be 1-1, maybe... 2-0, most likely not, but yeah. we're 0-2, which makes it even worse. Well, and when you have an offense, again, that has been a B-minus offense, it keeps you competitive, it keeps you in games, despite the fact that they are clearly the less man-for-man talented position-for-position position group between the two. The fact that this defense that has, I think, a lot of really talented players that is just they're just not playing up to their potential right now I mean let's start with the front seven so I think losing Jonathan Allen has been more of a challenge you saw it in the same way that Trent not being there on offense I think not having Jonathan Allen on defense is impacting them pretty significantly in a way that I did not I thought that they would have other guys who'd be able to step up I thought like Montez Sweat would be able to shine a little bit more. I thought we I mean, Ryan Kerrigan had a sack, right? He had a sack this week. Yeah, with, come you know, from he, behind. But at the same time, just not really getting the push. Zeke, who is one of the best running backs in this league, he was cutting through him like like a warm knife through butter. It, yeah, I, I, I think it's just something that I, I have hardly seen quarterbacks under pressure too much i haven't seen them kind of struggling to get rid of the ball like it hasn't been even close to seeing a intentional grounding or just a quarterback scrambling we're, we're hardly it seems like we're hardly pressuring mm-hmm. i i agree i think both quarterbacks that we've faced so far have been very comfortable just sitting back and and picking our defense apart i mean there's tons of space out there too we we all saw it um, I think Brian, you you mentioned the space between uh, the linebackers and, and the safeties, mostly in the middle of the field. It's wide yeah, open. Yeah, it's terrible. Like the linebackers are sort of hung out to dry. The safeties are playing too deep. It's just again, I think that that's like maybe a scheming thing. But there were so many receptions, sort of those middle area receptions. They weren't sort of drop offs. They weren't trying to stretch the field, but. There's just a huge hole in the middle of the defense. The one place you wouldn't expect there to be a big hole, that was where Dallas was making their hay. They were just throwing it right over the middle and having all kinds of time and space open. Defense this this week, one sack. Last week, one sack. So I think against, again, two fairly talented. I mean, I think Dallas is one of the best O-lines in the league. 
But it looked that way. Yeah, we're, we're making them look good for for sure. So I just looked up like team defense. Uh, Redskins are currently thirty uh, first. Oh, hey! Out of thirty two teams. Look at that. We're ahead of one, but one team. Wow. Miami. <laughs> oh, <damn. laughs> they're they're barely even an NFL team right now. <laughs> Giving up uh, six point seven yards per play. Oh my God! Yeah, especially on third down, it seems because every third down seems to be a first down conversion. Well, let's see. This week, uh, the Cowboys on third down. You can go to the Eagles. Well, I think the Eagles they must have had a slow start because I think I think they were like five for ten on third down. But the second half, I think they were <laughs> a good five for five. So. And they were all like third and tens, which makes me even angrier because that should be uh, stoppable. Against the Eagles, the, the Eagles were 11 of 17 on third down. Okay. That is terrible. But they were definitely like eight of nine in the second half or like probably not that high, but maybe like five of seven. They were ridiculously like productive and the skins couldn't stop. And that was when they went on their – Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown run. It's just like, at some point, how do you not make a play and stop a drive? Well, then the Cowboys were 7 of 11 on third down. Well, that's even better. <laughs> so. Those are not good percentages. Yeah, I'm both both quarterbacks for Cowboys-Eagles have thrown three touchdowns against their defensive backs. We had, I mean, that one pick, but that's that was our first ton- turnover on defense. And B. Jupe pointed out, what, two weeks in a row now that the Redskins defense have given up scores on five consecutive drives. Yeah, I mean, I kind of wish they would just, like, send me an email or a text and let me know when they're just going to mail it in because then I'll have to watch for the next two hours and kind of just slowly get angrier and angrier. It's just devastating to watch because these teams are beatable and the skins are just letting them walk all over them. No one's making adjustments or no one's changing anything. And I think a big thing of that is we're not pressuring the quarterback enough, but also there has to be a stop somewhere. You, you can't expect to win a game ever if you're going to give up points for 20 straight minutes or 30 straight minutes. I wanted to make one quick point. You said we're not making adjustments. And really what I'm seeing is like the first half, the, the very start of the game, like, our defense looks good. We're out there making plays, making stops. I think it's happened in both games relatively. And the second half has really killed this defense. Uh, teams are making adjustments. I don't believe we really are. And they're just uh, tearing us, our defense, apart. Yeah, I think we could just get right into it. That The two biggest things I've seen so far are A... The defensive secondary is woefully outclassed. Josh Norman does not look like Josh Norman of old. Monte Nicholson, Jimmy Moreland, I mean, younger guys not being able to get it done. Some of it a function of injuries. But I think the bigger issue, and you know, that's sort of like a like a canary in the coal mine there. But the, the fact that the Redskins at times have looked good, especially early in games, and then fold like a lawn chair in the second half, that, I think, is a lack... It's either a lack of preparedness or it's a lack of coaching to be able to adapt to, like, a team adapting to them. 
So you go down, and a team is able to like get their act together against you, as the both the Eagles and the Cowboys have, and then you have no answer for that. That is so unacceptable. And we've now seen it two times in a row, and I'm sure we could go back and pick out examples of exa- of the last several years, but it just seems like when is the last time you can remember the Redskins playing a full 60 minutes of football? It's been a really long time. That's going to take me a while. Yeah. It's, uh, At I mean, least in a meaningful game. In yeah. a meaningful game. Yeah, for when, sure. In a season that hasn't been lost or like against an opponent that isn't terrible. Because the Redskins do have a, good, a way of playing up against teams that they probably should beat. Um, I was talking to a Vikings fan who was like, man, Kirk Cousins, like he can only beat good teams. I was like, told you, man, told you he could do it. We don't need to get too much into Cousins, but like his whole, he made he made a whole bunch of money beating up on teams that were worse than the Redskins were. Yeah, and I don't know. I think you, I think you've hit the the nail right on the head, Chris. Like the fact, that, think about how good they looked on that first drive against Dallas. They really seem like they'd be able to get it done. The first half against the first what, quarter, first yeah, the first half yeah, against the Eagles, seventeen point lead, not able to hold. That's a trend that has to change. And yeah, is that a is that a coaching issue or is that just like a lack of leadership from anybody on defense to kind of get the group together and be like, all right, they're not getting this first down. We're stopping this drive right now. We're not giving up thirty five points over the next hour. But I think it starts at the top. Yeah, I think I think the coaching has got to they got to find a way to get more out of these guys because I do think there are a lot of talented players, especially on defense. When we named some of them, these are players who would be starting on just about any other defense in the league, and they just are not playing. They're not playing up to their potential right now. Yeah, I am leaning towards coaching being the issue. I mean, one one situation that's really sticking out to me is leaving Josh Norman alone on an island against a speedy wide receiver. He got he got burned by Smith there in this game yeah and he comes up like i don't know if if he's trying to like blame the safeties for not for not helping he's like he comes up looking around like expecting help but josh norman is no longer what he used to be and we can no longer leave him paired up one-on-one with a wide receiver he's he's getting burned they need some over-the-top help or else i mean we're going to keep having wide receivers get behind our defensive backs. I mean, Jackson did it all game with the Eagles. He did. Uh, and Cowboys did the same. I mean, I agree. He doesn't look like the player he was, at least when we signed him from uh, Carolina. But at the same time, the skins are injured and it shows. I don't know if it's all to blame on him. I, I want to say it is, but at the same time, who else we don't have anybody else to go for. Yeah, and I just don't know how we're this depleted two games in. Because <laughs> it's all, I mean, I agree. It's how, how are we always, it's a repeat of last year already. We were we were shorthanded from the start last year. Yeah, and we had, I don't know if you guys saw this, but like Rogers Cromartie was out there during the game, like limping on the field. I, I'm what's, so what's his status for this week or the rest of the season? Uh, he's out. He's out for the rest of the year. Yeah, and he was he was on the field. I'm so surprised, like, didn't go right after him because he could barely walk. 
And then we have yeah. If, say, you, if you have a if you see a defensive back, or if you see a defensive player like a guy who either has had his bell rung or like looks visibly injured, the p- next play you call has right. got to go right at that guy. You know, there's enough stoppages in football. Usually you see an injury timeout, but I guess he's trying to play through it. I don't know why, but so we so we have I believe it was Everett who played cornerback at Texas A.M. and was converted. To safety, yeah. but then came in to play defensive back because we were so thin at that position. I think your point about Josh Norman is a salient one because this is a team defensively that in the past, I'm, I, I remember very vividly, it was either a year or two ago, Redskins were playing, they were playing Pittsburgh. And Antonio Brown, it was sort of Antonio Brown in his heyday, Josh Norman in his heyday, and you expect what? that you put your best defensive back on their best wide receiver. And they were so insistent on playing the guy to their dominant side that every single time they break the huddle and Antonio Brown would go to one side and it was always the opposite side of Josh Norman. And so after the game, they asked a question in the press conference. Well, why didn't you just, why didn't you put your best cornerback on their best receiver? And it was like, well, the system, like we run a defense and like you don't want to tip your hand, yada, yada, yada. If that's the case, though, and you're going to insist on putting Josh Norman on one side and you're going to insist on keeping the same guy in the same position, why not put Landon Collins over top of him every single play? Because clearly Josh Norman cannot get it done on his own. He got burned a bunch of times. It's just the whole thing is really incongruous to me, and I don't understand. Like, there's all these con- all kinds of conflicts, and it always ends up being they make in of the pantheon of decisions they could make, they always choose the worst one. I think they've gone back and forth between, you know, having Josh Norman stay on his side versus follow the best wide receiver. And neither has really worked <laughs> yeah, out that it's, well. That's right. Is it I, I honestly don't even know how they line up because he'll be guarding somebody on one set of downs and then he'll be guarding the third string receiver on the next like who who was the guy he gave up the biggest somebody oh, was, was he was like a fourth string wide receiver he gave up smith yeah De- smith, to smith. devin smith yeah. yeah devin smith finished three receptions 74 yards including a 51 I mean, yard he is fast he's super fast but still that means that we're putting we're putting our top corner on their third or fourth string bat or wide receiver but he's still getting the job done and it's that shouldn't that should never happen no it, it definitely should um they're going to have their hands full this week. So I think we should let's look ahead. Should we look ahead? Sure, I could I could spend a lot of time. I don't want to I don't want to look at that anymore. So yeah, let's look forward. All right, let's look ahead. Um, the Redskins they're playing on Monday night. Things uh, it has been well documented that that has not been a very good thing for Washington. They are 2 and 15 since 2008. Sorry, did you say two and five? No, I said uh, two, two and fifteen. So oh. two wins. Good lord, that's the good one. And fifteen losses. 15 okay, friggin' losses. Yeah, I, I mean, that is m- like that. That's that's sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Am I right? <laughs> and they're going up against a Bears team that I don't know necessarily like expect. They, I think, were thought to be pretty good. Yeah, coming off of last season, I mean, they were 
people, a 10-win season. People, I think, I have seen some very mixed reviews on Mitch Trubisky. He had a pretty nice, like, I think he over, I don't want to say overachieved. I think he outpaced expectations of his on his rookie year, and sort of the bar got set a little bit higher. Yeah, you have a six-touchdown game, the bar tends to rise. I can't remember and who then he was. came back down there. We we watched that first game where they were playing the Packers, and someone on one of the Packers defenders was like, "Yeah, like if we can make Mitch Trubisky like play quarterback, we're gonna win." <laughs> yeah. And that is a galling indictment of how of like a guy's ability to play the position. I'm very I'm very curious about this week because I know I think at least from a betting standpoint, him and Baker Mayfield were the the two MVP most bet on players in the uh, off season here and so far uh, both of them have been lackluster Trubisky a little bit more so I think there's a good chance he could go off this week if the skins don't find a way to challenge him effectively but at the same time I think there's a lot of pressure on that team and I think the skins we'll see maybe there's a lot of pressure on them as well maybe they'll figure their stuff out Washington Four and a half point underdogs at home. I think that's fair. I think so. Um, this is a home game. It's a home game. Monday night at home. I think Monday night kind of makes it makes them an underdog in favorite. itself. The Bears defense is really freaking good. Yeah. Can you? Do you have the total? The total. The point total. What that game's supposed to be? Because I think the under is thirteen, <laughs> or the over is thirteen. Sorry. Because. I'm thinking about it. I mean, I don't want to call it strength versus strength, but it's 41. Oh, I'm going to go really? way under that. Yeah, I'm going to say like 25. It's Hot gonna take. Like, it's going to be like 17 to 10 game. Oh, so we're going to be really glad that we're staying up to watch the game. I'm actually going to be on an airplane. so I'm going to be playing hockey. So Yeah, that Bears defense is really awesome. Like, they're fun. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be tough for Washington to kind of, they have to overcome the past of their Monday nights. And I know for players, like, it's cha- it's challenging. You're, you're professionals. I don't want to do the, like, just figure it out situation. But, like, it's, it's tough to play on a different schedule. Washington, I don't know what it is. Have you guys ever been to a Monday night game in I, FedEx? I have not. I have been to a Monday night game at FedEx, and I would never go again. Oh, <laughs> I was hoping for a better end of that sentence. I saw them play Dallas on Monday night. You could probably figure out who, what year it was based on who I remember was on the team. They had Rod Gardner and Lavernius Coles were the wide receivers. And Dallas was winning, I think, the majority of the game, and the Redskins came back and kind of like had a chance to make a game of it like right at the end. And I think the game ended with like a pass to Rod Gardner that hit him in the hands, and he dropped it. It was just like, that was it. We didn't move out of our parking space until 2 o'clock in the morning. That sounds like a great night. <laughs> uh, it was a school night. I think <laughs> I, I, I might have called in sick for school the next day, but like that's – I don't know. Like, I know there are people who go to every game, and some of them are listening. And we, again, we appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. There are not a lot of people who would listen to three chuckleheads talk about an 0-2 football game. Your time is valuable, and we appreciate you. If you go to this game on Monday, write us. Tell us us how it went. We know we don't need to beat a dead horse on the game day experience. We know things have 
not been stellar, but man, two and fifteen—that's a lot of Monday nights to feel disappointed. Yeah, and Bears are another team that travels particularly well. They do. So uh, I wouldn't—I wouldn't be surprised if it's um, another site like uh, the game against the Cowboys, where it's more of a, a 50-50 split than anything. I'm feeling pretty good about this week. I don't know why. I just feel like the skins are at a breaking point and I think they're going to show up this Monday night. I think it's I think it is a different team than than past teams. There's just a whole lot of uncertainty and you don't know what you're going to expect, but this team's kind of shown some some flashes of greatness and at the same time there's been a lot of mistakes on both sides of the field but I feel like it's something that can be corrected and I feel like Chicago they're also at a, at a similar point there's going to be more pressure on Chicago and I feel like the skins are going to be able to pull it out at home I think it's going to make a difference but I just feel like the skins are going to be able to to win one and get one on the in the win column and hopefully start their season because <laughs> I don't think it's started yet in my opinion I think we'll leave it there that is a that's a pretty good place to to bring us out for everyone who's planning on going to that game and um, I hope you guys have a, a great time. Thank you all for tuning in. We've gotten such good feedback and we know you guys are listening. If you have anything, any questions for us, feel free to send them our way. Like, subscribe, yada yada yada. For B Droomba, for Dr. Chris Jones, this is Brian from Hogshaven, and this was Hogs Night, a podcast.